Welcome to the shit show of my 20s. My name's Sophia. I'm a 20-year-old loan officer from California. I started this podcast back in April 2020. Got furloughed from my job for about three months. And during those three months, I was very honest with myself. I was like, we can either start emotionally eating. We can start suppressing these feelings of not feeling worthy because you've lost this thing that you attach so much of your identity to. Or we could start that podcast that you've always been wanting to start. So I decided to go with that second option and I'm so glad I did. I've interviewed over 130 people since then. It's been incredible. I've got to interview music artists and seven-figure entrepreneurs and just all these incredible people with different stories and different ways of how they got to where they are and just hearing about their journey, hearing about their shit show moments because we all have shit show moments and just learning how to navigate them better and learning how to learn from them and take them and create something magical out of them. And I'm so glad that I get to interview all these incredible people and I am such a big believer that you can radically change your life in a year. You can just radically change your circumstances, where you're at. And I remember being 19 and just trying to get a job and applying to like, I was applying to Ross and like a smoothie bar and like all these places wouldn't take me. And I was like, so offended. I was like, why is no one taking me? And then I finally passed my NMLS test. And then I got a job with a major mortgage company. And I was like, oh, that's why they didn't take me. Cause I was meant to go down and get this job instead of that job. And I went from being 19 with $0 in my bank account and just being so stressed about money and so stressed about like is it gonna come into my life do I what am I gonna do about this to being 20 year old with over 60 grand in savings and I think one of the big changes that I made between those two was even when I had zero in the savings account I still believed that I was abundant I still believed that money was gonna flow into my life I still believed in something that I couldn't see at the time because I knew it was just a matter of time before it was gonna come so I'm such a huge believer and you can radically change your scenario you can step into that next version of you and that next version of you that higher self version of you she's not that far away as you think i think she's just there's just garbage in the way and it's just undercovering that garbage that's in the way of you getting to her and just stepping into that and the next version of you with the next level of results it's something i'm super passionate about and i hope from this podcast that you get to hear these stories and relate with these people and just relate with like not necessarily like just reconnecting to that path of what you want to do and reconnecting to that higher version of you and what you wanted to be when you were younger and what lights you up and what brings you joy so i'm so excited for you guys to hear these episodes would love to connect with you on instagram my instagram's the shit show my 20s dm me and love to have a conversation and feel free to share this with someone you know will love it and you can also leave a review on itunes i would love that Today's guest is Kevin. I love chatting with him. We talk about what inspired him to start his company, Warren James, how he's able to make partnerships with all these huge content creators, what he's learned from working with them, how powerful influencer marketing is, and so much more. Let's get started. So thank you so much, Kevin, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. I'd love to start on your 20s. So tell me, like, what have your 20s been like so far? Feel free to include any shit show moments. Let's start there. Awesome. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. My, um, my 20s have been, you know, a, a ton of fun so far. I've had the opportunity to move around a lot. I, I started my career pretty early because I, I dropped out of college to pursue it when I was 19. But I, I've moved from 
Georgia to Ohio to Florida to, I lived in China for a little while. And now I'm in California. I lived in the Bay Area for a bit when I worked at Roblox. And then I moved down to Los Angeles when I started my company, Warren James. What do you think you learned from moving to all those different places and having all those different experiences? What led you to California? It, it's definitely taught me a lot in terms of like, it's opened up my horizons culturally. Like living in China was a huge eye opener for you know, living outside the U.S. I, I think is a great idea for everyone. It opens up your eyes. You start to realize the differences of how much we're in a bubble here in the U.S. And I mean, ultimately I ended up in California because I was working at Jazzwares in South Florida at the time. It's a pretty large toy manufacturer. And then I got approached by Roblox, the the video game company, the video game platform. And they asked me to, to switch sides of the table and run their merchandise business up in the Bay Area. So that's why ultimately I made the move to San Francisco. And then when I decided to make the leap and go full-time in my company, Warren James, the I made the decision that Los Angeles was the right place to be given I really kind of two pieces. One, like we, we work with content creators, influencers. And when you look at the US, the highest concentration of celebrities and influencers is in Los Angeles. The highest concentration of talent agents are in Los Angeles. So, you know, wanted to make sure I was close to them. So if, you know, a meeting popped up, it's like, hey, I have a slot tomorrow at noon. Can you make it happen? I don't, I don't have to worry about like jumping on a flight to get out there. I can, I can make that happen. And then the second part is we do, you know, we're a manufacturing company primarily. So we do most of our manufacturing in China, but we do some here in Los Angeles as well. And LA is the, for the most part, it's the hub in the U.S. for manufacturing, where they're primarily apparel and mass manufacturing, things like that. So it was, it's nice being here. I can, drive to downtown to see our screen print factory, make sure that they're hitting our timelines, making sure things are getting done, doing QC inspections. So those are kind of the two reasons that I, I ended up here in LA. And talk to me about dropping out of college and where, what inspired that decision and where you ever worried about, is this the right decision or not? Funny enough, I, I don't recall being particularly worried about it being the right decision. My thought process at the time, like I, my business partner at the time and I decided to start an esports organization. And this was pretty early into the esports industry. So we saw a lot of opportunities, saw a lot of room for growth. And the th- similar thought to when I took the leap most recently for Warren James, it, it felt like if I didn't do it now, you know, I'd be looking back kind of being like, oh, I wish I had done that then. So, you know, and the, the interesting thing about college is you can always go back, right? Like if you decide people take a gap year, you know, you can always take that opportunity for a year, two years, and then go back and pick up where you left off with really no consequences to that. Like, you know, if you're on a scholarship, whatever it is, they usually will honor that. Your credits will be honored for quite a while. So my thought at the time was, all right, let's, let's do this. If things don't work out, I'll just go back to college. I'll say I got some experience. I'll put it on my resume, but I would feel silly if I didn't take the opportunity. So that, that I was in Georgia. I went to Savannah College of Art and Design, Savannah, Georgia. And then I moved to Columbus, Ohio to open up a gaming house for the sports organization. And my parents were, were super supportive of me making that, that move. Surprisingly, you would think most parents might not be, but mine were definitely, they, they felt like experience was the most important thing. That's kind of like, in many cases, the purpose of college is to get that so you can get that experience. And I was, I had the opportunity to get experience without the degree. So Warren James, how many businesses have you started? I have started three. I, my, my first one was a video game company in high school that I sold freshman year of college. It was like a Minecraft Hunger Games network of servers. And then my second one was an esports organization called Denial Esports. And then my third one is, is Warren James. I, between 
Hungercraft in denial. It was a very short period that kind of one led into the other one. And then I kind of realized at 19, it was great getting all this experience, but there's a huge ceiling on, you know, knowledge going into running a really large successful business. And I wanted to get a little more of that experience on a corporate side. So I went into, you know, getting a career working for a company. I worked for Jazzwares, worked for Roblox. And then on the side though, I had been finding out, you know, Hungercraft in the esports space, very much involved with the influencer industry. We would pay influencers to play our games. We would have influencers part of our, for denial, we had them part of our streaming team. So like very involved in that space was seeing it evolve over time. And, you know, while I was at Jazzwares and I was at Roblox, I was working with influencers on the side, helping them run their businesses, largely on the merchandising side of things. And I really just saw that start to snowball, that industry start to grow, parents being more confident, buying, putting their credit card into a YouTuber's merch store and being confident the product will show up. And it ultimately just, it, it, I, it felt like things were snowballing. I, I had to take that jump. And what did you learn from your first two businesses that you applied on your third one? Yeah, I was, I was so young for both of them, especially Hungercraft because I was in high school. The big thing I learned at Hungercraft, I think, and, you know, keep in mind, I was, I was very young. So it's, you know, had no idea what I was doing, but the two, I guess that two things was like the power of a team. So when we first started, it was, it was, we weren't making very much money. It was a passion project for everyone involved. And we pretty much pooled from the community that had built for people to be cameramen, people to be developers, to be website devs, to be casters. All of it was like kind of pulled from the community. And that was something that was, was crazy to be part of was that people were willing to put in time to make this project happen. And what that power was of like, if it was just myself, nothing would have gotten done. Right. But when we had, you know, a, a unofficial staff of like 15 people, you know, we were running events every Saturday, people, the servers were working, development was happening. So that was pretty crazy. And then the second one is like what it means to foster a community because that was at the root of it. Hungercraft was a community of people. It was people that were talking on the forums, people that were engaging with the socials, people that were t- tuning in every Saturday to watch the live stream, people that were playing after school on the servers. So it was, you know, learning how to work with a quote unquote staff and then how to foster a non-toxic community, how to foster, make people happy and feel like they're part of something. So those were the two things I definitely learned from the Hungercraft project. And is there anything that you noticed that really helped you foster that community? I, I think just engaging with people was probably the the biggest part. Like the, it was interesting, like, you know, a community looking at people that are actually running the project, people that are part of the company that's managing it. There's kind of this weird dynamic, but the way we tackled it was we were very involved. We would be commenting on the forums. We would be jumping on the, at the time, I think it was TeamSpeak rather than Discord. We would be just really engaging with the community. And that seemed, um, we all had a huge subreddit on Reddit at the time. Um, so just like really being involved was super healthy for the community and it to this day we have like a a discord server with hundreds of people that just keep in touch because the the community was that strong and this was 2012 so there's been you know people that were uh in middle school and high school at the time are are, you know full-on adults now and they're still keeping in touch because it was the community was that strong what inspired you to start warren james and what did the beginning look like like what did you start off doing the you know the inspiration for it had to do largely with that 
kind of snowballing effect I was seeing in the influencer space. These creators that you know get Super Bowl numbers on their YouTube channels are not being treated as official brands, especially at that time. This was you know really started getting into it like three ish years ago. Went full time two years ago and was starting to see like all right, we would throw up a t-shirt or we throw up a poster or a plush toy on this website and people just like, they would buy it like crazy. They got super excited. They were used to not having anything to really consume from their, you know, they, they YouTubers audiences see them as mainstream celebrities, right? Like even though they're on a digital platform like YouTube, they're still a celebrity and they have the ability to really engage with that creator. So once they had the opportunity to wear to represent them at school or to like buy a product that they wanted from that YouTuber, it really, the, the, the conversion was really high. So it was like starting to see that YouTubers, the YouTube community has continues to grow, you know, YouTubers get more popular. There's more of them out there. So it felt like we were on the cutting edge of, of something. Right. And felt, even though it was, very fun working at Roblox, you know, great career opportunities. It was a similar scenario to when I was in college dropping out is my thought process was let's do this. If it doesn't work, I'll get back into the workforce. I will figure it out. I'll chalk it up to experience. Like companies love seeing people that have tried to make their own companies. They've gone after it. They've trial and error. They've, they've learned from it. So I didn't feel like I was taking a huge risk by taking the jump, but the upside I felt like was, was massive. So that, that's kind of what my thought process was. I have a business partner, Ben as well. So both of us went full time at the same time, January. And we, we started out just trying to make money, right? Like we were, the goal was let's keep this thing afloat. And that meant taking really any project we could at the time we would do like small screen print t-shirt runs. We would work with like the smallest creators, anyone that was interested in working with us, we would take that opportunity. And then it just, as we grew and we learned and we figured out what our specialty was, which is very much on the custom product development side of things, because my background at Jazzwares, I lived in China, we had these connections with factories in China, with people on the ground and realized that really at the time, no other company was servicing creators with super premium product. They were doing t-shirts, they were doing sublimated backpacks, sublimated hoodies, just like really kind of the most basic stuff, pop sockets, things like that. While we could do color block apparel, cut and sew apparel, we could do jewelry, we could do furniture, we could do plush and toys, like we could do consumables, really anything you can think of we've probably produced. So we, we started to realize that within this industry, there was this, this hole for really premium stuff. And when you deal with premium product, you have to do, generally you have to do production runs or you have to do a pre-order. And because of that, you know, when you look at a, plastic toy, for example, you have to make a tool, you have to invest thousands of dollars into it. You have to do thousands of units. That means you got to work with like a relatively popular creator to be able to move through them through that much product. So just by default, our kind of premium manufacturing capabilities started leading us to work with the biggest of the big creators, just because they're the only ones that can move that type of product. And once it became clear, like, okay, we got to work with the largest guys out there. We got to work with Unspeakable and Preston Plays and Afmao. And it's funny, these people that have hundreds of millions of views per month, our entire service needs to be premium at that point. So we made ourselves like a white label service. So when you look at our creators stores online, their direct to consumer stores, our name is at the bottom. It's just there for customer support purposes. Otherwise it's entirely about the creator. It's all white label product. They're brand names on the tags. They're on the poly bags. It's 
cut and sew apparel. It's all those those crazy premium categories. So we we really just kind of found our our niche of being being a very premium merchandise solution for the largest creators out there. And how did you reach out to these creators? It's it's a, it's a challenging one. Like you know, at first, luckily with my background being at Roblox and Jazzers and Hungercraft and all this, I've had connections with creators for years that I was able to tap on originally, whether it be to make merchandise for them or ask them to make an introduction to someone for me. That at the beginning was kind of how we we navigated it. And then as we started to have these successes, word of mouth was a big driver. So one creator would see another's store and be like, oh, wow, you have really cool stuff. Like who makes it? And they would make that introduction without us having to ask, which was great. We do cold DMs and cold emails. It, there's so many creators out there, right? That you kind of have to be creative with how you get in touch with them. We've got good relationships with the talent agents. So we're, we're always knocking on their doors and them updated decks, showing them the new stuff we're making. So we, we, we kind of hit, hit it at all angles, but nowadays it's largely kind of that word of mouth approach. And do you come up with your designs? We, we do. Yeah. I don't personally, I'm, I'm more on the manufacturing side. Ben leads the, the creative team and leads the brand team. But generally, Warren James comes up with the designs. We have in-house designers. We have design... Because we, we work with so many different types of creators, we work with children's creators, boys and girls. We work with lifestyle creators. We work with Tucker Butson is a very famous golden retriever. Like They all have very different brands, different audiences. So the designs have to be really unique as well. So because of that, we, we've got a pool of creator, or different artists that we tap on. So we've got the artists we go to for streetwear designs. We have the artists we go to for kids toy designs, but yeah, generally we generate the artwork, show it to the creator, get their feedback and then start the, the development process. What's something that you think we don't realize about influencers? That's a good question. There, there's probably a lot of different answers to that. I, the immediate thing that comes up is that they, a lot of times they don't have teams around them. They're, or they'll have a, like a really small team, like they'll have an editor and an assistant sometimes. But in most cases, it's just it's just the creator and they're doing it all themselves until they hit like a real a, a pretty large scale where they, they realize that by them editing their videos or them taking the time to make their thumbnail, that their their time is better spent doing other things, whether it be new ventures or at the root of it, making more content. So it, I, that's that's usually the most surprising thing is that we send it, you send an email out to someone and it is the creator writing you back and jumping on that call to talk about the opportunity. So yeah, that's the first thing that comes up. And do you have any designs in particular that really stood out to you that you really love? Yeah, we 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 came up with a, a couple stores or a couple collections for Black Friday this year that I feel like were really strong. One that I think I'll draw attention to is a creator, Marco Terzo. He is a TikToker, YouTuber. He's across all platforms and he's really well known for customizing shoes in particular. He will take like, you know, some Air Force, white Air Force Ones and he'll really talented artist and he'll customize it. He'll paint it. He'll put materials on it. And then he, he'll usually gift it to another influencer like Addison Ray or Faze Rug or whoever it is. And because of that, you know, he is very stylish. He's an artist at heart. We had to make a, a capsule collection that represented him as a person. So his super unique categories. We have like a, a denim bomber jacket. We have color, a color block hoodie. We've got corduroy shorts. We've got tie-dye twill shorts. We have a, a necklace pendant. So it's just stuff that categories that you don't typically see, but it, like when you look at his brand, 
and then you look at the, his product, the brand's called Don't Sleep. It, it makes so much sense. It really represents him. So that, that was one that was particularly fun. And when these creators come to you, do, do they have already have like an idea in mind or do they come to you and you have an idea in mind or like, how's that like brainstorming work? It's definitely a mix of both. It sometimes they have, you know, a lot of times the, the most common thing is they will point us to other brands that they feel like represents what they want to do pretty well. So like a lot of times Teddy Fresh, which is another influencer started brand by H3H3, really cool color blocking um, line primarily. They'll use that as a reference or, um, you know, if they're on the sh- streetwear side, they'll use like Supreme or something like that as a reference or Off-White. And there, or sometimes, you know, they're they're artists themselves. So like we're working on a project right now where the creator has sketches of like what they think the product should look like. And that's, you know, makes our job easier is always really funded when the creator has a type of inspiration, but also what, you know, we, you know, that a lot of creators lean on us as the experts in the space. So when that happens, we'll look at their brand, we'll deep dive into who their audience is. We'll deep dive into what, you know, what the audience really resonates with their brand and then we'll put a capsule together and we'll present it to the creator, get their feedback. And at that point, like once they get presented with it, they'll have tons of feedback and we'll become a really iterative process. But it's really kind of the full range of things depending on, especially if they're really busy, right? And they haven't had the time to sit down and brainstorm what they want it to look like. So it's it's all over the place depending on on the creator. And when you started off in the space, were you surprised by how powerful influencer marketing is, how strong that is were you ever shocked like that this is like becoming more powerful than like household names or like than other stores yeah I'm, I'm surprised by it you know all the time like even though this kind of grew up in this industry and I've seen firsthand what they can do it still blows my mind sometimes when like we had um, a launch or a capsule launch recently for it's funny the crew super popular Roblox YouTube channel it's a collective and they their their audience is just so hungry for the product they put out it's really high quality product but it really just kind of it's crazy to see how how much the audience wants to be able to purchase product from them so that that yeah, it is it is crazy to see it and it feels like these creators are becoming more and more popular and they're understanding how to market better and they're integrating things better into their content and it's you know even a lot of them are kids and they're maturing personally and as they get this experience they're getting better at it so it's 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 awesome seeing and what was the inspiration behind the name warren james it's it's so my business partner ben his middle name is warren and my middle name is james so um we had a you know we had to sneak that in there but uh, the the thought process behind it at least was this is a new industry with a lot of you know if you look back especially four or five years ago at merchandising for influencers it was it's like the wild west a little bit there there weren't any really reputable companies to work with it was a lot of people got burned so we, when we went into it we want to make sure that we built a brand image of respect of legitimacy right so that's kind of why we went with a more old school sounding kind of almost like a law firmy sounding name plus we you know we had to fit our our names into it and is there anything you would have done differently with building this business? Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of mistakes that we made, especially, I mean, we, especially that first year that I, you know, would have loved to have not made, but they're, they're all learning experiences, you know, like whether it be a vendor here in Los Angeles, us paying him for production and then him just disappearing and blocking us on socials and blocking our numbers and just like taking our money and running, you know, that, that was a total bummer, but 
it was a learning experience in terms of how to vet our suppliers, how to manage the process better. So there, there's those things, but there, there's nothing that, you know, looking back that really, really wish that I had done differently. It all has been chalked up to being learning experiences. And what's maybe something that you learned from one of your clients, one of your influencers that you work with? I think the a big thing is like really respecting the community that they have. At the end of the day, we work with all these different creators and we run different stores and each one of them is a community of people. It's a community that we have to respect and treat fairly everything from pricing products fairly to having very transparent shipping and having reasonable shipping and having responsive customer support and you know making sure that we can ship globally so that if they have you know someone in the community that's in the Philippines or someone that's in India that we can you know still get product to them i think that's been you know a a, a big eye opener through this is that they are the customer at the end of the day even though if you, the creator is kind of a customer in a sense right cuz they we have to convince them to work with us but truly at the end of it it's their community is the customer that, and we have to respect that community. And what is something lighting you up right now? I'm excited for, I'm excited for next year. I'm excited because we are in the thick of it right now where we just got through black Friday and cyber Monday. And that was, that was, that was craziness getting product, you know, bringing all those containers into the U S getting into the warehouse, getting product out to customers, making sure that things are ready to go on time for black Friday. And now we're through that, you know, the, the team, is up to 21 people globally. We have our office in China. We have our office in the Philippines. I'm just, I'm really excited for, for next year and like be able to strategize out the collections that are going to launch and just, you know, continue to, to grow the business. I'm excited for maybe things will settle down. You know, once COVID is, you know, there's a vaccine out there, like it's really disrupted supply chains. It's really disrupted the couriers, the, you know, people that are actually getting the product to your door. And that's created a lot of a lot of headaches, excited for maybe the tariffs to be over. So yeah, it's, it's very, very optimistic for next year. And what's something that keeps you grounded? Something that's keep me grounded. I, th- I, I think, you know, uh, since the team has gotten so big now, that is something that I think about pretty often, you know, all, all the people that rely on us to further a living. I think that that is something, you know, a very interesting thing to, to go through, um, especially people in different countries and like, yeah, I think, I think that's gotta be the, the, you know, a pretty large driver for me at this point. And what is something that most people don't know about you? Hmm. So that's a tough question. I think, it, you know, one thing that's always surprising, even though I, I've already mentioned it on here, but it's the, the college dropout part. Most people don't expect that by default. And it, it was when I was younger and you could tell that I was really young, then it was like, okay, I get it. Right. You, you, I see how that, that happened. But as I get older, it's like, it's just kind of people expect you to have, have a degree, you know? And that, I think that's always a surprise, but now that the business has grown, it's not as, it's not that big of a deal anymore. Right. Cause the, the work backs it, backs it up, but definitely a period there where like when I was working for companies, you know, getting job opportunities for other companies. I would go in talk with the team and they would ask like, Oh, where did you, where did you go to university? It's like, well, I went for a little bit, but I didn't finish. So I, I that's probably the, the most, most that people get surprised about. And what's something that brings you joy? Personally, you're like, what kind of work related? Personally. Hmm. I love traveling. You know, that's, <laughs> that's gotta be the, the most fun, like getting the opportunity to visit new places. You know, when I, when I lived in China, that was 
you know, an amazing experience, being able to travel around the country, learn about the culture, try different types of food, meet new people. So I, that, that's probably the, the thing that I would say that I get the most joy from. And if you can go back in time and talk to your 20 year old self, what advice would you give him? I just keep hustling. I just keep, keep trying. That's going to be the, the biggest thing. Um, if I was in, talking with the high school self would be to really put work into school you know, in college or sorry, in high school to, to get into a a better university. But in my twenties is definitely like just put in the hours, you know, learn, get that experience, keep hustling, keep working. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's been awesome. (laughs) And where can people connect with you online? Yeah. My, my handles Kev J Ramsey on pretty much everything. You can also, you know, find me on LinkedIn or on for work related as well. Like warrenjames.org. We've got a contact us there on that website so you can reach us through there or reach me on linkedin or through socials thank you guys so much for listening i love if you can leave me a review on itunes please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with i hope you guys have a great rest of your day